0: we
2: We are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side. And uh, Seth, obviously, we're going to go heavy into Michigan, into the start that JJ is off to. We're going to talk a lot of Michigan defense and this defensive line uh, who has re- really showed up in a huge way mm-hmm. last weekend. We'll get into all of that, but, man, how can we not talk about what is going on in East Lansing and just to reset the news of the day is I think further confirmation of my theory. Something that I theorized um, back on Monday. It was like, yeah, it was Monday. I said, look, I think that this was leaked by Michigan State. I had heard that Brenda Brenda Tracy who, Mm -hmm. full disclosure, we've interviewed, we have had her in, um, in studio. With me, we had her on the show. Oh, yeah, you were, you were there lounge. that day, weren't you, Ira? Yeah,
0: and she's been in the yeah. victors' lounge.
2: Yeah, she's been in the victors' lounge too. So, yeah, but I, I am not passing any judgment on whatever. Re- I don't know what their relationship was. I I'm not even talking about that,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? So, but I am passing judgment on how this got out, and she has come forth and said someone leaked my name. That's exactly exactly what I speculated was the case uh, a few days ago. Where I had heard she was getting calls all of a sudden from the media and her response was, OK, well, if they're going to leak my name, I am I need to get my side out. Mm-hmm. And that's when uh, she went ahead and gave USA Today the green light to publish that report. But it was it was provoked. And I think it was provoked by someone at Michigan State who saw outing this story as a means to an end when it comes to getting rid of Mel Tucker. <laughs> And it sounds it sounds like this trustee. So one of the board of trustees, this is the last part of the setup. One of the trustee members came out yesterday and said, I implore Michigan State to investigate this claim to turn over every stone to try to find out if this leak occurred and if it did, who it was. But it only makes sense for it to have come from Michigan State.
1: Yeah, uh, that was Diane Byram, by the way. Everyone, my generation remembers Diane Byram for, because I guess at one point we were gerrymandered into the same district or like part of Ann Arbor was. And so the students all had like it slammed with Mike Rogers versus Diane Byram ads. It was like the the big national, um, I mean like with 2000 or something like that. One of the elections when I was in college, like all the students were just slammed with her ads and they were both running like for a mostly Spartan area. So we all know Diane. Um and that's really has nothing to do with all that i'm sorry (laughs) the um all right so the the leak i think is it it's it's obviously not like somebody at it's it's not i i it's it's obviously not tracy because she was she's made it clear she made it clear through her attorney and there's nothing that it does for her right this is going to come out anyway for her um And obviously, like, once someone has your story, and they had a lot of documentation that I don't even know if Brenda Tracy had. That was internal documentation that was in the USA Today article. So somebody was speaking to USA Today, and my guess is that it's probably somebody at Michigan State, not necessarily who cares about getting rid of Mel Tucker because of his performance on the field, because I don't think many people at Michigan State are unhappy with Mel Tucker. That's kind of something uh, that's something that you we're don't. looking at from the outside going, You guys got trouble But there's the the football people there are not at all convinced that he was you know, that he was heading down the tubes. Um so I think it was probably somebody in the, we need to get rid of Mel Tucker because he did this, and people need to know about it. And my and there are a lot of people at Michigan State, and I think that we've been overlooking this as Michigan fans, who really care deeply about this stuff, who were shook when this happened with, with the Larry Nasher scandal, really shook their faith in something that was a cornerstone of who they were. Right? Your, your college is a big part of who you are. We all understand this as Michigan fans. And I think there's a lot of Michigan State fans who – either care about the football but care about this more, or could care less about the football and care a lot about this. And as it started circulating around that they have this thing coming up in October and the circle got bigger and more people found out, it probably got to somebody who said this has to get out, and they started talking to a reporter. That's my best guess. I can't say that that's how it happened, but I Uh bet it's somebody who cared about this getting out before this guy coached another
2: football game. I, I can't say that you're wrong about that. I tend to be a little more cynical. Um, I absolutely think, I mean, I think back to how guarded they were. They didn't want people to know that they were on the hook for paying Mel most of that money. You remember how how they dragged their feet with the FOIA request for, why not let everyone know how the man is getting paid? Why is that this big secret? And then when the story came out, you found out that it wasn't Ishbia and the other mm-hmm. dude, whoever the other dude is. Sorry, other dude, for not knowing your name. <laughs> <laughs> but Ishby and the other dude are paying a fraction of that contract. Michigan State is on the hook for the lion's share, 80% of that contract, right? Yeah. So they, but they didn't want people to know that. And now people know it. And I do think that some people realize, man, this dude is not a $9.5 million coach. Mm-hmm. You got ADs across the country that wish, they wish Michigan State. Figured that out earlier, right? Because every all these coaches went back and said, "Look at Mel; he's getting nine and a half." Right? Oh yeah.
1: Look and at Penn, look Penn State's paying Franklin now, right? <laughs> and I mean, he's got a good team, but could you replace James Franklin out there? Could you if you fired him next this year and like you know someone's going to get Deion Sanders next year? Like that's driving the cup price. Like the 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 market when that happened was ridiculous. And you remember Jim Harbaugh because he was doing his deal at the time, right? And yes. He, And so he takes his bonus and he gives it to all the the staffers. And he did that. He timed it perfectly to like coincide with Franklin and Tucker getting their money. So I, I think that that was on purpose. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State paid him that to keep him away from LSU. And frankly, he probably should have turned down the deal because this kind of thing might have flown at LSU. But it's not gonna Mm -hmm. But I I this is how I'm disagreeing with a lot of Michigan State fans or sorry, a lot of Michigan fans on this because I know a lot of Michigan State fans. One of the reasons I got into MGO blog in the first place is because I needed an outlet to talk about my Michigan because like I'm just surrounded by state people, right? And I know how they feel about this kind of thing. I know how they feel about Tucker. I know how they feel about D'Antonio, I know how they feel about a lot of things that are wrong. But they are pretty right on this. That they they are horrified by this. They're horrified that their, their, um, their school is constantly dragged into this thing, and they're not going to let it happen again. They're going to react. And I think that it's important that we came to this so late in the process that there's already a hearing. Now, there's a little, I don't understand why it's not a Title IX thing, because Brenda Tracy was somebody that was brought in by the school and was somebody who worked with the the university, so there was a power relationship, which sounds like it should be a Title IX thing to me. But they say it's... um, I think this is the thing that Mel Tucker wrote, right? That it's, it's not actually Title IX, which blows up a lot of what I know about how the process is supposed to work. But I do know that there are enough Spartans out there who really care about how their university is seen that a lot... But we're not giving them enough credit for, like, how much that's driving what this looks like. And the fact that it was dealt with in the first place as opposed to some places where this would have just been shoved under the rug and Brenda Tracy would have been threatened by the institution or something, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, look, I don't dis- discount the, the Spartans in, in your orb- orbit. Uh, I'm sure that that is – you are, are, are offering a very clear reflection of the sentiment that's coming from them we just see how Michigan State has gotten down for 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 so long the fact that you got a contingent that they believe would try to cover it up right so that that's a sign that you got you got an issue there if those people exist in Michigan state leadership then why wouldn't there be other people in Michigan state leadership who have intentions that are in in this in the eyes of your Spartan friends would be impure like say hey man Wow, we could get rid of oh, this dude.
1: I mean, they're not the first fan base to have an administration that doesn't do what the fan base wants, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. I I think that Michigan State is not you don't turn over an institution immediately, right? Even when the whole thing is shook like this. And especially at Michigan State, we saw that I mean, they got an interim president who doesn't doesn't want the job. They've got um like the the regency has only been recently turned over and there's still plenty of issues with the region or the I, they're not regions they're trustees but it's the same thing right and the the leadership in the school has not been completely turned over either and it, at least in the athletic department it's still the same old guys right these are like izzo's dudes and izzo himself is right there and izzo himself is a representative of that, that old school of that the the sense of michigan state is Everything that bad happens to us has happened because Michigan in the blue wall and anything that they say bad about us is happening everywhere else and just we're the one who get caught because we're Michigan State. It's like that us against the world mentality and you do not turn that over immediately. I think that the, the that school is healthier than they were but I'm sure that there are plenty who want to circle the wagons. I'm sure there are people who didn't want to fire Mel Tucker there. They just don't have a choice once this information comes out.
2: Yeah, inevitable. It, yeah. It's inevitable. You hear people talk, I want to wait to see what happens. I just want to win it or a I want to wait to see what happens. Yeah, that's that's, that's why I, I mean, think it's somebody who
1: cared, right? That's <laughs> why I think it's somebody who, who's inside who didn't care about the football program, who wasn't doing it for the football program. They mm. saw that, this was gonna, that, that it was not going to come out in the public until the hearing in, in October. Right. And I think that that was why they said this has got to be out now,
2: because otherwise it's going to happen in October and they're going to try to find a way. All right. We need to get to a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll bring the rest of the roundtable crew into the fold. Looking forward to another spirited and go blog roundtable here on the other side. Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050, WTK, the ticket, the official voice of the University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor Accumula Station. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050, wtka online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Wine, Tribe on the other side, and the MGO Blog Roundtable crew with us. For those listening on radio, you heard Seth. He joined us already in the last part. Seth, Hey but we we get <laughs> you go overtime every single week. I need to acknowledge that. Appreciate you Thank for you. engaging in the conversation <laughs> early. How are you this morning? I'm I'm good. I, I think
1: people should know it's just because I want to get on and test my audio setup beforehand, and I just <laughs>
2: and then I'm like, hey guys, what's going on? And here we go. <laughs> and if you're watching this on the stream, that you see the diehard Michigan guy that Craig is wearing different colors this morning, representing the opposition. Bowling yeah. Green. How are you this yeah. morning, Craig?
3: Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, as people know, I'm friends with Scott Leffler and his wife Amy, and uh, so I've I've been dreading this week for a long time. Is all I can say. We're putting but, you and Jack uh, Harbaugh in a corner. You can you can come back next week.
0: <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> it's house. It's house money. Don't worry about it.
3: Yeah, I know. It. it, it, it well said, Brian. It is house money. <laughs>
0: And then that voice
2: you just heard, the man that started it all over at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? Fired
0: up. Got to yeah, beat man. those Falcons.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, we definitely are going to dedicate the majority of the hour to Michigan, but uh, can't ignore the biggest story. It was the biggest story in sports until Aaron Rodgers goes down after four snaps, and now uh, it shares that that headline. Mel Tucker news broke early uh sunday morning that he was suspended based on a sexual harassment claim from brenda tracy who folks who listen to this show obviously know well she was uh she came in studio one year she came to the victor's lounge she's been on the air as a guest we've talked to her several times so she is the complainant here uh a a charge that was levied back in december Uh, An investigation that commenced after that, uh, one whose that that a report came from back in July. And but news didn't break until this weekend when apparently, allegedly, supposedly, Brian, someone leaked Brenda's name and she responded to her name being leaked.
0: Yeah. And this conflicts with Michigan State's story somewhat is like the D like the A.D. said that they are not privy to the contents of the report. so. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's difficult to imagine someone inside a Title IX offense office leaking this, because if the accuser doesn't want their name out there, like, you shouldn't put their name out there, right? So there's a reason that the regents are like trying to investigate who actually leaked the name. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, as soon as the contents are, are, are revealed, it's really just a matter of like how much of Mel Tucker's buyout is he about to get. And he released a statement that for some reason, name check, Jim Harbaugh... <laughs> Uh, and calls this upcoming hearing basically a farce, and like you don't do that if you're ever thinking that you're gonna call coach college football again he's really just angling for whatever he can get from his contract at this point. and uh, so it goes,
2: yeah, it that was I've been saying this is about the post game. He knows mm-hmm. he's fired. I don't even know that he's gonna show up at the at the um at the uh, hearing and so this is a lawyer question for you, Craig. Yeah, his contention was that this didn't fall under Title Nine, which, as like Seth, I don't quite understand his his. He he tried to say it was it only applies to student to student conduct. He also tried to say you know unless he's trying to say that she wasn't an MSU employee but she was a vendor. So why wouldn't this? What kind of case does he have for this not being a Title Nine case?
3: Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure that it is a Title Nine case. I'm no expert on. Title Nine, but it doesn't matter because because the practical reality is he's not going to coach at Michigan State again, and he's going to have a hard time, at least in the foreseeable future, getting certainly a head coaching job anyplace else.
0: Well, for, uh, for Mel Tucker, it is it is relevant. He's got a fully guaranteed eighty million dollar contract. Well,
3: that's that's a different question, and I suspect that 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 negotiation may be ongoing. And and if uh, Michigan State hardballs Mel, uh, there'll be a litigation filed. And
0: and and well, I mean, there's definitely going to be a litigation filed.
3: Not like necessarily, these, not necessarily. Well, I
0: mean, what, what does Mel have they to mean, lose, right?
3: No, no. Name like, what Michigan State. Uh, I have a friend who does this sort of stuff, and he suggests that it's naive to believe that negotiations aren't already happening yeah. as to what as to what the buyout will be. I suspect. That Michigan State would be more than willing to give him "quote" something. Now, this friend suggests it'll be somewhere between twenty and forty million. I, I felt that was high, uh, but that is amazing. That, but um, we'll see. But the whether it's a you know the question of whether it's a Title IX violation or not is sort of falls into the basket of uh, you know so if my aunt had wheels,
0: she'd be a trolley car. So here's it's, a question: yeah. Would you rather have eighty million dollars and have to coach Michigan State football for the next eight years, <laughs> or thirty million dollars with which you can do anything at all? You don't have to. You don't have a job anymore. Well, I mean, to, to, me, to me, that's a pretty clear choice.
3: Smoke your cigars, a, Mel. With thirty million dollars. You know, as a person who's never made any money. And who's struggling to try and get our bathroom or kitchen remodeled. Yeah, that's, you know, easy, I guess an easy choice for me. And and as a person who'd like to give a lot of money away if I could. But I don't know in in when you're making that that those sorts of dollars what it feels like to you. So I don't know the answer.
2: It, yeah, you know, the, the troubling thing. So let let's let's end with talking about how they handled it. Because we all agree he's gonna get fired. I think his his statement was as I said, as Brian said, this was about the settlement after, and how big will it be? And that's what the Title IX argument is a, is about. Frankly, you know, saying this is a personal thing, and you are, legis, you're trying to interfere in my private life, and you're firing me for it. This is why, by by the way, I think it was important for whoever put it out there, if their intention wasn't what Seth said, it's pure. We just we can't have this going on. We want to bring light to it. I believe there are some that are saying, hey, you know what? Get this out there. This is a means to an end to get rid of him because he's bringing embarrassment and shame to the university. That That's where it being public actually helps their cases. As, as embarrassing as it might be, it certainly would save you some money. But what about how they handled it? He coached two games, right? Well, and then mean, once it goes public, now he can't coach anymore. What what about that?
0: So the thing is, is like they there is the claim that they know that the – Report is done and they don't know what the contents are. So the question, first of all, is like, okay, the report was done in July. Why is the hearing in October? Right? Good question. It, it's not it's not a court of law. You know, I, I think part of Mel's objection is he's not allowed to cross-examine. There's not a lot of preparation that needs to go into this. Why wasn't the hearing in August? Like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The other thing that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me is this whole process. How are you supposed to have an investigation and then the people who are in charge of making decisions for the university aren't allowed to know what the contents of that investigation are. (laughs)
2: See, so this is another lawyer question because I saw one lawyer say they, they are barred from releasing information publicly, but they aren't barred from talking about it internally. So I don't know what, I don't know what what their policy. And I think
1: that they're, I, I think that they're BSing. I, because there, first of all, I don't understand why it wasn't a Title IX investigation, except for there's certain policies you have to follow if it's Title IX, which they might have wanted to get around. One thing that Mill Tucker is probably right about is that these kinds of hearings, because I, I at least I know that like, they happen in Michigan. And I've dealt with a um, woman who, uh, who runs SAPAC in Michigan, and these can be a real for both sides are terrible. right?
0: The system uh, that they have uh, for uh, that is hey, awful. Hey, Seth, why are you saying this isn't a Title IX thing?
1: They, that because was something the, that the, Mel Tucker claimed in his uh, in his thing well, that, that and the,
0: the USA Today article yeah. has, is just littered with references to MSU's Title IX office. So right.
1: well, they get, I whatever how Tucker to is right. investigated, I'm saying who's going to be running the hearing? If if it's if they moved it out of the Title IX office, it's the only. Uh, that's why I I don't know what I'm talking about after, after that point. If they've moved it out of the Title IX office for this hearing, then I don't know what the structure of the hearing is or why they would move it or anything. Because I, I don't, out of the policy I, it's range it's
0: point. it's not Seth. The the, yeah. the objections that Tucker lodged in the statement he released through his lawyer are very familiar objections to anyone who's been familiar with the Title IX process. Okay. So this is something that like everything he was saying is like, okay, I've heard this before from people who feel that they've been railroaded by this process and went to the media. Um, So I I don't think that's the case.
3: Okay. Yeah. I, you know, and as I say, I'm not a title IX expert. I don't know what these procedures are. I've never been involved in a title IX hearing. Uh, So I haven't paid sufficient attention to give you a good answer. In the end, I don't think it's very relevant because Michigan State is not going to employ him as head as head coach. I, I mean, mean it,
0: the and, leak and, is mm-hmm. the leak is very strange because it feels like if you knew about this in July and you wanted Mel Tucker gone, you would have said it immediately, right? I think this is worse for Michigan State than any alternative. Like two games into the season, this comes out. You know, you you had like a month before the the hearing. You could have gotten halfway through the season before it came out it's just chaos now i mean you're you have an interim head coach you're bringing in mark d'antonio from the bullpen which is like <laughs> yeah that's new msu um <laughs> like for me this is like the worst of all possible worlds for michigan state especially because you think tucker's not going to use this as leverage in his lawsuit like okay, we no, had, he,
3: he will I yeah mean, he so whoever, will.
0: whoever leaked this I don't, like it doesn't make sense from a I want to get rid of Mel Tucker and get out of the buyout because I think the leak hurts Michigan State's case for not paying the buyout because they violated policies that w- are in place for good reasons. Yeah, so
1: the only yeah, pe- person that could possibly help is somebody who, for whatever reason, doesn't want Mel Tucker coaching another football game and doesn't want to wait until October and doesn't want to see you know Mel who Tucker I, coach the Michigan game.
0: All right. I know who it is. It's Mel Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> Look, yeah. here's what makes sense to me as as far
2: as um, well, two things. You, you said, why would they do this? I doesn't mean the leaker is is you know completely up to speed on all of the sure. all of the potential pitfalls of the strategy. Uh, doesn't mean that they're super bright. Uh, it just means that they saw a means to an end. But what makes sense to me about why he would why he would go two games in the season if they knew about it in July? I think there's a contingent of MSU leadership that didn't know. Until recently, some knew, some didn't. And when those who didn't know found out, someone in that orbit was the the person or people that decided they were going to leak it to the media. That's the only thing that makes sense to me because you're right. I mean, why would they wait until into the season to do this yeah. if they if if they knew back in July? I'm. It's my. I do believe some of them didn't know until
0: very recently. The other possibility is that Tracy's name was kind of in the whisper network without any details of the report being known. And you know they know that there's an investigation, and then it's like, oh well, he's been hanging out with Brenda Tracy a lot, or calling Brenda Tracy a lot. I don't know, but the the whole situation here is a little bit odd. And I don't necessarily think it means that Michigan State isn't following the procedures they're supposed to follow. Although there was a Lansing State Journal article about how 48 hours later they didn't, li- uh, they hadn't released any sort of protocol that Mel Tucker was supposed to follow. Which in the aftermath of the Nassar stuff is is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so,
2: well, I think we'll the it. biggest indicator of his concern over being a Title Nine issue was when he lied about where he made the infamous call from. Where he said he was at his house when really he was on a he was on a a, a function related to Michigan State and I think down in Florida or something. Uh, he had flown on a team plane. He had flown flown on a yeah. private plane and all of that stuff. It was yeah. So that that's why he lied about that.
0: Well, and then he he makes some sort of assertion in his interviews that Paul Levine from ESPN is investigating whether Brenda Tracy's story about being gang-raped is true. That is sociopathic.
1: Yeah, that's, that is
0: that is disqualifying from everything, in my opinion. This um, this is
1: how these people. This is how, I mean, this is, it's a open and shut, clear case of sexual harassment, and like this, I mean, that's how these people operate. That, that is, like, the, that's the exact function is try to scare the person, try to, like, turn around, try to, like... And, and, Brian, you are absolutely right when you say, like, the thing that he wrote is 99.999% BS. It's just... Even, like, the way he defends himself about their relationship is taking things that somebody would say to a creep and taking it to mean that, like, oh, he meant... She, she wanted relationship with me. That's kind of yeah, how, that's, that's that's how they act.
0: I mean, there's an assertion in the... USA Today article that in his interview for the investigation, he asserted that Brenda Tracy was just trying to bilk Michigan State out of money, which is crazy. Do you think this makes Brenda Tracy's life easier? No. Brenda Tracy is doing this because it's the right thing to do, and she has to do it because of her story and her her life. But do you think this is going to make it easier for her to, to get speaking gigs on campuses? No. This is bad for her, but she did it anyway.
3: Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. But I also don't want to just sort of brush away anything Mel says. Uh, As as I try and say in the past, I want to hear his testimony. I want to hear his cross-examination. I want to hear the whole thing.
0: Uh, I mean, at this point, he can be telling the truth about... The what relationship being entire, he can be telling the truth about the relationship being entirely consensual, and he should mm. still be turbo fired,
2: right? Yes. Yeah, that's what. Well, you know, that's, 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 that's you know, what I said is. before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like, what he, I
3: said before. But yeah. he yeah. could, you know. That's, that's where I am I with
2: it. That's where I am with it because yeah. I, I mean, there, there are things in that report about the nature of their relationship that, frankly, I find confusing. I, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know what their relationship was, but whatever it was, it's a fireable it, offense. There is a power
1: relationship here. Mel Tucker is the football coach who's in charge of this operation, and Brenda Tracy was a vendor who came and provided a service. Now, the service was trying to talk to his uh, players about sexual assault, ironically, but whatever her position was, she is in a position that is beneath Mel Tucker when she comes and and works for Michigan State even if it's a contract work that is a power relationship you cannot pursue relationships when there is a power imbalance because that's there that is where this comes from and then when you and people who do that are doing it because they want the power relationship
3: to be part of the relationship that is as Brian said sociopathic well I never want to speak generally I I always want to talk specifically and and in this sense I demur somewhat uh you know i always want to talk about what happened in this particular case and what know, people we're not fought in this particular case but correct we're not, their, not their what their generally our, happens in the culture our right? job
1: is to talk generally right now because our question mm-hmm. is what do we want our institution to act like what do we want other institutions to act like Completely and what do we want life issue. to be like for because sexual assault is rampant in this country and this is and it's rampant in the That's, institutions that we work in and we want to see an example A different question, different questions. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Moving on. Let's talk Michigan, right? Uh, The Wolverines go out and, you know, win as we thought they would in convincing fashion, 35 to 7. JJ is just on an unbelievable, off to an unbelievable start as far as efficiency is concerned. It's my contention that there's no quarterback in the country playing better right now, even if their stats are gaudier. Uh, You just look what he's done at Michigan so far this year. And he, I put him right up there with the best. Uh, And then the defense really, really comes roaring out in week two. Uh, So it gives you a lot to be encouraged about. And then there's the talk about the running game and how ironic is it here? here, (laughs) They just, they need to run the ball better to hear fans say that. It's just uh, slightly funny, right? But it is, it is on point in that. There needs to be improvement there. So we will dive into those uh into those topics coming back on the other side. Oh,
3: you right. guys know the song by John Prime, Donald and Lydia? No. I, I highly commend it vis-a-vis <clears throat> the Mel Tucker situation. It's uh, right on the money. Or I don't need a Mel Tucker right- playlist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh if I was his attorney, I, this would be the Donald and Lydia defense. Uh so,
2: yeah, so it, it'll it be interesting to uh, to see where they go, where they go next. You know, I don't Do they I have don't
1: have the money sense... to go. I mean, I, I guess they're going to get mm. Mel Tucker's money freed up most of it. But, you know, yeah, probably
3: most of it. But I, I would be very I mean, if they don't settle for some number, which I su- suggest they might, uh, it'll be a litigation. And and I don't think Michigan State is probably very interested in a litigation. On this issue, you
1: think Sharon Moore is going to get a call
0: from Michigan State? They can call Sharon Moore, but he's going to say it pass.
3: Yeah, I think Sharon Moore. Yeah, I, I would see unlikely.
0: You know, if, mean, I mi- if I was if I
3: was Michigan like- State, I would I would hire
0: Paul Christ. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> that I mean, would be amazing.
3: Yeah, I, I would hire Paul Christ in a heartbeat <laughs> because
0: that'd be a good
2: hire for them.
3: Yeah, don't yeah, you think would so? Would that
0: be a good hire?
3: Absolutely.
2: I think Paul Christ, made, he made one bad decision, and it turned out to be the crucial decision. He based his entire his entire program on having the best quarterback
0: recruit ever Yeah, Blue at that school. And it was a sun, man.
1: You, you cannot have a quarterback at Wisconsin. It's the, I know, the, but the he's the like a
0: quarterback guy. guy, and he looked at Graham Mertz, and he's like, I'm going to bank my program on this. Like, Sign me up for that at Michigan State. <laughs> it, yeah. Like...
3: Well, but here's the thing. I mean, Chris is a lot like Tommy Amaker and, and, and regardless of, of, of Tommy's, you know, very mediocre results at Michigan, he was probably the right guy for Michigan at that time. I mean, he did sort of calm down a program that was, that, that was pretty chaotic on the heels of, of Fisher and then Ellerby. Had some pretty bad dudes in the basketball program, some good dudes. Of course, the one really good dude he had the NCAA took care of. And uh, you know, so uh to me, if they're serious, maybe they're not serious, if they're serious about being the new MSU, hire Paul Christ. Uh, because he's a serious guy, he's an ethical guy, and he's a good football coach, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he the Mertz thing was a debacle, but but by and large. That's you know, I would say cowboy days are over.
1: Weird that it took and, long for a proliferation of Wisconsin's around the Big Ten. Like they ran their program that way for so long and now we finally have Bird at Illinois and he had to go somewhere else to get that to get back. Like there hasn't been another program other than Bert. Illinois that tried to Wisconsin <laughs> it, right?
2: Yeah. Are you are any of you surprised that already it's looking like Brett is just uh he's he's gonna He's flailing at Illinois this year. I don't think it's any coincidence that they got they got uh taken care of at Kansas. I think the reason they were successful was, it was Ryan Walter. Walter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be, could be right. Yeah, their defense has completely fallen apart, and they still have like a couple of really good defensive linemen.
3: Yeah, so. they have a first round pick on the in the defensive line. Yep. Uh, so I'm blocking on his name, but they have a kid there who's
0: John projecting- Newton. He goes, yeah,
3: he goes by Johnny, yeah. and
0: this drives Brian nuts. I'm not. I'm not gonna call him Johnny when he's, <laughs> yeah. he's got such a cool name. I think. Back in one
3: beast. minute, guys. One minute. He's a beast.
0: He is. Yeah. He totally dump trucked El Hadi last year, and he was doing pretty well before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: yeah. So they. It's. Yeah. You're right. They're not without talent there right now, but they're. They don't they're have without one.
2: Walters, yeah. who yeah, went down. You know, they got. I think it was San Jose State beat them week one. One of those state schools out in mm. California, beat them week one, threw it they, across, the, threw it around the yard, and uh, they went to Virginia Tech, and you knew they, they, they were going Fresno state
0: Huh? I think it was
2: what, Fresno State. Fresno State, yeah. They they yeah. fixed it. They weren't going to fix it, but they figured he'd patch it enough to be competent, that's exactly what he did. They went down to Virginia Tech and beat Virginia Tech.
3: Yeah, the problem at Purdue is always going to be recruiting. You're not going to get that many car out of, you know, West Lafayette. And but if he can recruit reasonably, uh, you know, there's every reason to believe he's a really good coach.
2: And we yeah, are back not here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com, Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side. So, fellas, glad to be talking Michigan. I want to just get your broad stroke reaction. You know, what are you encouraged by? What were you discouraged by week two
0: versus UNLV? Brian Cook. I mean, the same thing as everybody else, right? JJ is absolutely nuts. The defense looks impenetrable, and the run game is like, ah, uh, a little shaky.
1: Yeah. I, I I mean, the defensive line is coming in, and our expectations were high. Like, we saw Mason Graham last year, and we're like, that's a true freshman. We saw um, Derek Moore last year, and we're like, that was just a true freshman. We saw Jenkins, and we're like, okay, now he's got another 20 pounds, and like this is going to take off. We were high on the defensive line. And they're still coming in over expectation. and I loved the approach that Michigan had, I, I bet uh, Jesse Miner called his dad and said, "How did you guys deal with this kind of stuff back when people ran like because it, it was wing T. It was all I, when I finally got to like see what UNLV was running, it's wing T stuff, right? It's overload one side and then throw people in different directions to make your linebackers all go the wrong way. And the answer is, make, take the linebackers out of the equation, Just have the linebackers come down to the line and force them to kind of get past your defensive line. And they couldn't. Michigan's defensive line, even if they got doubled, were just ripping through those guys and destroying it. And there was nowhere for UNLV to go. It was brilliant, and it's it's so unfair that you could do that.
3: Yeah, the uh, Sam, I think you said that JJ's numbers weren't gaudy. <laughs> to me, they're pretty gaudy. I mean, he's 48 of 55, maybe thrown two or three bad passes this year, if that. Um, uh, and that's, that's gaudy. And, and if they were all check downs, that's one thing, but to be completing over 87% of your passes with, uh, more than 10, almost 10.2 yards per attempt is like mind blowing. Uh, now maybe it's just, uh, ECU and UNLV are, are just that bad. And, but we've played bad teams in the past with good quarterbacks and the numbers haven't looked like that to me. Um, so that's number one. Yeah. Number two is this looks like the best defensive tackle trio that I can remember in my lifetime. And sadly that's a long lifetime. (laughs) And, um, and I don't remember, you know, having defensive tackles like that. And this week there was really good, um, really good play. Uh, I thought on the edges from Moore and McGregor, Uh, And Harold, who's, you know, obviously been a very consistent player for Michigan. And so, yeah, I mean, this this looks looks pretty good. And now we're all concerned about the run game or I'm concerned about the run game. Let me speak for myself because it. I know that I think it was Seth who's always stressed, or maybe Brian, about how good of a blocker Ronnie Bell is, and we saw a couple of plays. <laughs> Seth, okay, we saw a couple of plays go by the wayside this week when uh, wide receivers didn't, you know, made non-blocks on the edges when when the plays were other, otherwise well blocked. And but I don't think it's just that. Um, the no, other there's thing, a, yeah, there's yeah, a ahead. lot
0: of individual issues. So there were a couple of well-blocked plays where either Corum or Edwards didn't go in the right gap. Mm-hmm. There, Michigan has there is running a lot of outside zone, and it kind of feels like uh, they got three guys who are hypothetically good at running outside zone, and then there's Hinton and Keegan, um, and that's really tough to to like be consistent with. Um, you got the wide receiver blocking is an issue. Uh Michigan hasn't really fully implemented JJ McCarthy. I know he had a couple of runs in this game, but only one was actually based on uh him reading off his own read. There was yeah. there was one quorum run that went for a couple yards where he had to spin off a guy in the backfield because Michigan left an end unblocked. He went right at quorum and, and JJ didn't keep it. And so it just feels like there's a lot of moving parts. They're trying to do a lot of things and they're they've lost their identity a little bit and, you know, they haven't run a pin and pull all year. They were very good at that last year. I'm a little bit confused by that. So it just it just feels like there's a multitude of issues and there's not one quick fix. I, I think, so a couple of things, um, I think you're absolutely right about how they,
2: as far as run game is concerned, uh, they need reps with these new guys uh, that they have in the mix, get the chemistry and cohesion down. So when they are running in the loaded boxes, guys that, you know, block two and three guys on a play, like we saw all last year, right. That that can happen more routinely. I think that's part of it. I think that, you know, getting, getting Blake in the rhythm, I think they've done a pretty good job of that. I think, you know, as much as they scheme a balance in touches, which they have, Blake has 30 through two games. Donovan has 27 through two games. I think, uh, getting Donovan some rhythm has to be about uh part of the strategy too. maybe give him a, you know, two, three touches in a row uh, to, to try to help with that. Uh, and then the other piece, man, um, you know, I think we gotta, we gotta be a little patient with it. This is from our side. Cause I think they're going to be patient with it. They went into that game as anticipated saying, we we're going to work the perimeter run game. And that's what they did. And I felt like that was better. It wasn't great. Like, you know, it wasn't ideal or, or optimal in terms of what we expect them to be, but it was better than week one when they said, okay, we need to get outside. Because I think that's why we didn't see pin and pulls. You watch against TCU, how they were leaking so bad on those pin and pulls in, those, in in that game, and I think that's why we didn't see it in these first two games. I think we're going to see it moving forward, um, and I think we're going to see them be a a better run team with time. I'm kind of curious you, you guys' take on uh, the tackle battle. though. We talked about this last week. Uh, Brian, I think you you spoke about it uh, the most. Here, here's Sharon Moore, and you watch how it unfolded on the field. There wasn't a rotation. We didn't see Trente and Darius at the tackle spots until what the fourth quarter. Yep. And so what that says to me is the job for for now at least has been decided. And if if the run blocking, which you know is okay, uh, if if that would lend itself to having more competition at the position that there isn't. Tells me that man, they must be really ahead as pass blockers. And you look at them as pass blockers at the tackle position; they've been really, really good.
0: Yeah, they have. Um, level of competition is a bit of a question mark, but um, especially this week, I don't think I had a pass pro minus for for him at all. Um, and you know, Michigan's dropping back quite a bit, uh, especially on standard downs. So that helps a little bit because they're not just teeing off on third down. But Michigan had a lot of true passing downs because the ground game wasn't really working. So, you know, Trente did have some issues last year, early in the season. A couple of them were mental. Like he had a couple of just, I seemed like he didn't have the right play call. So if you're looking at this season and you're like, okay, what's the one thing that can really derail it? An injury to JJ McCarthy. What's literally the most important thing? Not getting JJ McCarthy hit. Right? <laughs> From that perspective, I understand it. Um, if, uh, you know, migrating last year for Trente was very, very good in six games, and PFF also liked him a lot, and he seems to be playing pretty well uh, as that bonus OL. So, uh, yeah, it's a little, it's a little confusing to me. And one thing that you know, if you promise these guys, in a, you know, you say in a press conference that they're going to get a start in week two, and then they don't get a start in week two, that probably feels pretty bad for them. So, I'm not exactly sure what the thinking was that went into that. Um, but you know, Sharon Moore's obviously earned the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I have a question for both of you guys just briefly. I mean, uh, is it, do you feel like outside zone is a plausible staple for this team? because i'm i'm not so sure because it's you know yeah. i mean i wrote my work. article on this this week like i oh, think you that did? they're okay. grasping
1: i think that they're trying to be the greatest offensive line of all time and yeah. mm-hmm. one thing you can do to like get back what they want with the, the, what they want to run is duo and they're trying to find things that they can run enough that teams cannot just tee off on their their favorite play
0: and that but you, yeah i mean if you just run power i mean there's plenty of ways to get people who are expecting duo in bad spots that don't involve installing the, the most complicated run play in football
1: right <laughs>
0: right like i mean it feels like they thought that they had duo down they had all the inside zone down they had all the gap stuff down so what they're gonna do is they're gonna like all right let's add the o- outside zone and i'm just like dude this is college <laughs> like maybe if it was an NFL team and you guys these guys aren't going to class and they're they've been in the league for eight years, you can do all that stuff maybe. But even in the NFL, outside zone teams tend to be very, very heavy outside zone. Outside zone first and foremost. And to me, I, I mean, <clears throat> I would rather have Jim Harbaugh thinking of ways to get gap plays that look weird and put people in the wrong gaps. Yeah. Than, yeah. Cause he there's no there's no Jim Harbaugh advantage when you're running outside zone because mm-hmm. Harbaugh has all the kinds of stuff in his, his playbook. You know, trap blocks, whams, like crazy plays where I'm looking at last year where I'm like, this is an intentional cutback because the puller is attacking a defensive tackle who's already being blocked and the linebackers in the raw gap. All that stuff that Harbaugh has brought from the Paleolithic area of football goes away if you're just Mike DeBoarding it. And I'm, uh, <laughs> I understand why they want to run outside zone. But it feels, it feels like a bridge too far.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, how much progress they, they make there. They seem committed to, to expanding the perimeter run game as an answer to what teams are, are doing to them uh, inside. You know, they, it, there are other ways to get outside. We saw it in the game. I mean, they, we, saw, we saw them get JJ on the edge uh, in this game, right? You know, you don't want to use that judiciously. Uh, but that's that's one of the answers. We saw them hit a hit a reverse with with CJ in this game of those U-turn uh, plays so that we saw Ronnie score on last year. So they figuring out ways to get outside is a real thing. But it sounds like outside zone, at least for now, at least for now, you, you rep it and you see if you can get good enough at it to feel like it's it can be a staple. If it's not, I assume they they'll they'll pivot from it. But but for now. It seems it, like something that they're they're it, committed to working on. It's an
1: expensive on. thing to like to just just to get to where they've gotten already. It's an expensive thing, so they've already burned a lot of practice time this year on repping outside zone because you don't get to as just being as good as they are at it. They've been practicing it a lot, so it's already. A, I mean, sunk cost fallacy. You can, you, if it's not working. You got to throw it out. But you can tell that they've already burned a lot of practice time on it. Yeah,
3: I'm skeptical. To be honest, that the, the I, I, I'm I'm sort of with Brian on this. I think it's too a bridge too far. A movie I actually watched a bit of last night, and uh, I think that it may be um, just too much. That it puts too much on their plate, and it's uh, you know I'm skeptical they they're, they're going to be able to do it. And I'm also skeptical that you can run this sort of offense, these sort of spread offenses without the quarterback running the ball, at least some. Uh, and if teams figure out or decide JJ ain't running the ball, uh, I, I think it makes it, it makes it difficult for the run game to go. So
1: yeah. there's Right. You can mm-hmm. run bash. You can run uh, you can run a screen. You're still
2: allowed to run screens, right? Like how yeah, do you, they still true. don't
1: do slip screens on this team for some reason. So there's a lot. They of hit a big one against play. Illinois
2: last year. So you know it's there. I mean, they're 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 obviously holding a lot back too, uh, yeah, and they're, they're using this up. game, these, these first couple games, is just more confirmation that okay, we, we we're using these as we're gonna work on some stuff games, <laughs> right? I mean, they you know they can you know they can RPO, you know they can pin and pull.
0: Do we know they could RPO? Yeah, they didn't run any yeah. RPOs last year. Very few, and they've they, run they, none
2: this year. Maybe one. They well, JJ to me showed enough when they did RPO. Showed enough, especially with the increased confidence that they're showing in him with his pre-snap menu, to believe that yeah they can RPO. Now, may, maybe maybe that belief will be proven. You know, overconfidence uh, to be overconfidence later on. But I believe they have that in the arsenal. Uh, and they have they made the choice to use the this this portion of practice right we're talking about uh the economy of of plays to use the the economy of plays in these first couple of games to we're going to work on our perimeter run game thinking that we got this other stuff that we can hold back for when we face more serious
0: competition i mean to me i don't like that to me it feels like you should rep the things that you're good at and keep repping them because just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're perfect at it. And I feel like trying to expand the playbook so much that you're just kind of average-ish at everything is is not not the recipe for a college team. But again, Sharon Moore has really earned the benefit of the doubt. So maybe it'll get cleaned up the next couple of weeks and we'll be like, hey, guys, remember when we thought Michigan's ground game was bad? <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, there is a possibility that they actually get this down, and then we're like, okay,
1: this is the greatest blocking team of all right. time.
0: Right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there was that season where Michigan was running for two point nine yards to carry against Army, and then you know, kind of Harbaugh's like, all right, this is what we're doing, and then they run for three hundred yards in a rainstorm against Notre Dame later in that year. Mm-hmm. So just because there's some bumps early in the year doesn't mean that this can't get figured out, especially with a Jim Harbaugh team.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. But I think you said one very true and subtle thing that I think it, in teaching anything, uh, the student needs to work more on his strengths than his weaknesses. And this, I mean, and in tennis, when, when, when I'm teaching there, I, I, I always work more on, on a student's strengths than weaknesses, because you want them to be really, really good at something, uh, as opposed to sort of okay at everything. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a bit worried about this. I'm a bit worried about the run game. I'm a bit worried about the seeming obsession with outside zone. I'm probably wrong. I hope I am, but. I'm worried about it. I mean, it could be a fourth pitch. It's right in this
1: in against UNLV mm-hmm. it was their second pitch. And you can't yeah. and if it's going to be your second pitch you have to be able to beat someone who's looking for it, right? Like if you're going to throw a curve every once in a while, they'll jelly leg the guy the first time he sees it. But if he's sitting on a curve, it's got to be good enough for him to swing through it. And their outside zone is not good enough for someone who's sitting
2: on it. Yeah. yeah. We we'll see. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how uh, how good they get at it and if they feel like it's not good enough what the answer is a- at that point but this getting outside seems to be their their biggest answer at least so far to what teams are doing to them but it's just it it makes total sense to me <laughs> that uh, if if this winds up not being uh, a a a positive experiment that you know a big answer a big part of the answer even if this is a part uh, a positive, uh outcome here that they're they're gonna rpo some more they're gonna do that i just can't with all the trust they put into jj and how how effectively he's executing every aspect of the offense the first play of the game where he checks it down to blake right i mean oh jj he's going for he he's probably trying to get it to uh roman on the flag right because mm-hmm. you can make the case that with his arm maybe he's getting it even though there's a retreating corner who could, who who's dropping back? He made but he made the right decision. He drops it down. He gets a twenty yard gain out of it. The dude is making every right call. Every right call. You can't tell me that they they don't trust him enough to RPO. Of course they do. I think they're just holding it back.
3: But wouldn't I mean if that's a direction they want to go, wouldn't we see some of it? Some of, wouldn't they want to rep some of it during it, games? It, it, it. I mean, that's
2: I, was told, I'm and looks out, I, I got I got a lot of questions still to ask yeah. about different different things. I, I haven't asked a direct question about the uh, the tackle battle or anything like that. Just asking people around the program in the program. Uh, but it was made very plain to me. They held I mean, not just a little back, a lot back. <laughs> and I, will that be foolhardy in the grand scheme of things? I mean, time will tell. Time will tell. You know, I'm I mean, not how, saying that that's the, the best decision. But it's it's their decision, and we'll see. It may be the best decision in the long haul, uh, based how, on the you know how well they know the team and the experience they have on the team.
0: You know, we'll how see. long are they going to hold this back? Because they're not going to be less than a two touchdown favorite until Penn State, right, <laughs> <laughs> Or or maybe
2: or maybe they just add a little more each week.
0: Maybe maybe
2: they yeah. just like add a little more
0: each
1: I, week. Up I'm to that not point. worried about the RPO part just because the RPO you have to practice against a certain defense, so like you have to. Otherwise, you're just gonna, you can't practice it against everybody, right? You're gonna, you have to know yeah. where their safeties are, their linebackers are, and know who you're going to be reading.
2: Right, and plus you want to you you want to take some big shots, right? You want to take some big shots. The play action gets you there. You know they he could have called 20 more play action. <laughs> it just felt like every time he called it, it was a big play there. It's hard not to do that over and over again when it's working so well. So, uh-huh. um, fellas, score. Give me your score, Michigan Bowling Green, starting with you, Craig Ross.
3: Uh, let's see. Vance said 42-9. I'm going 44-6. <laughs>
2: okay. Sorry, Lefty. Um, what do you got,
1: Seth? Uh, 45 to
0: 2.3. All right. And Brian Cook. <laughs> Brian Cook. Uh, 24-20. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Stay they back with have- it. <laughs> sandbag it.
1: I, we already have one Bowling Green fan on here. What does we got? Another one? Oh I got uh, it. If he's not gonna rep Leffler, I'll rep him. Good, thank it's not you. Just refler, the, uh, it's Morrison that you're uh, that you're repping
2: there. He's yeah. There. All right, guys, we got to get out early today, so appreciate the time. Another great round table. We will see you next week on the Amigo Blog Roundtable, we'll see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK, the Ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan sports, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station.